Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Friday, April 28th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. Canadians are airlifted out of Sudan. Amid criticism, it's taken longer to rescue Canada citizens than those from other countries. I'm not into Monday morning quarterbacking. My job is to get Canadians outside of Sudan and we will make sure that that's the case. The opposition accuses the public safety minister of not cracking down on Chinese police stations in Canada. Canadians deserve to know in the face of interference, a vast campaign of interference in two federal elections, police stations that are being discovered, it seems like on a almost weekly basis, why has no action been taken to expel the very diplomats involved in these activities? And more criticism of the Prime Minister as he visits New York City. What is the Prime Minister doing? Announcing funding for international organizations while cutting $150 million from women's shelters here in Canada and refusing to reach a fair agreement with PSAC workers. He has to support women internationally and here at home. He must do both. Does he really think that he's fooling Canadians with his fake feminism? Joining us is Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for The Globe and Mail. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Julie. Thanks for being on the podcast. So let's start with the streaming bill. Um, you know, we should touch on that for sure. It went through the Senate last night, very controversial bill. The Senate had amended it, went back to the House, back to the Senate. So it got royal assent last night. So what's so controversial about it? Well, first of all, what this bill does is modernize the Broadcasting Act for the digital age, and it's going to require uh, online streaming uh, companies like Netflix and Prime Video and Disney and all of these other streaming companies to uh, show more or promote more Canadian film and and television and also to contribute financially to to production. So uh, the industry is really happy about that, the Canadian arts industry, as well as the uh, music industry, because YouTube and Spotify will also have to promote Canadian content. From, so from the, from the, the, the film and uh, music industry side, they're very, very happy with this legislation. But others are not, uh, particularly YouTube, uh, people who post uh, content on as way they make their own living, they're not happy about it because they uh, feel that they don't want to be restricted and regulated. And uh, I can say that some media companies, including the Golden Mail, have expressed some concerns too because they don't want and are concerned that the CRTC um, could end up regulating uh, newspapers um, because we're, we're now moving away from newspapers to be online content. So that is a that is a concern. Uh, and but as just you a know, second, is there actually a chance of that, that the CRTC would do something to do with newspaper content well the, the government says no but the uh, you know uh, the devil is in the details mm-hmm. uh, and the crtc uh, is going to be charged with um, uh, implementing this legislation and overseeing all of the aspects of this this is not something that they're used to they're doing they're they're usually they don't they don't they're not a regulator in that sort of way um and uh, the the former a former C- crtc chair just said the other day that uh, he said, this is going to take a lot of time before mm-hmm. the CRTC can get up to do this kind of thing because they're not used to doing it. Right. They're probably going to have to set up a whole new office on it. And you also have Pierre Pauly about there uh, today uh, uh, online uh, saying that this bill is going to regulate uh, 
Canadians' lives, their free speech, their ability to be able to post whatever they want. He is, of course, um, uh, over the top on this. Nobody thinks that's going to happen, but they have been very, very opposed to this legislation. Well, they call it censorship. They call it censorship, right? Right, right. But really, um, I mean, uh, uh, overall, um, the... Uh, the industry seems to be very happy with it. We, we really do have to watch over the next uh, year or so on how the CRT sets up the, uh, it, its office to oversee all of this. And, you know, certainly if there's any effort to regulate or censorship, censor content, that's going to cause enormous problem. But, I, you know, there's no evidence of that happening yet. And the government says it won't. Well, yes, you can imagine there'd be a huge pushback if it started regulating what you put on YouTube, TikTok, uh, what influencers do. So, um, yeah, but I guess from the government's perspective, it hadn't been revamped since 1991, since way before streaming. So, okay, so I guess we'll see. We'll see where that goes. It's it's obviously just passed, but uh, definitely a, a big deal in the broadcasting world. So. Let's move on to Sudan, because it seemed the government was mighty relieved yesterday that it did get some planes in there and get Canadians out. How do you think that's going? Especially we know that the ceasefire has been extended for a couple of days. Apparently, there's still a bit of fighting. So what can we expect to happen here? Well, first of all, the Canadian government really uh, came into a lot of criticism because we were one of the last countries to get uh, a military aircraft into Sudan to airlift people out. Uh, every other country, you know, you, the United States, Italy, Japan, France, Jordan, Spain, the Netherlands, South Korea, you name it. Uh, we're all in there getting their citizens out, including Canadian citizens. Uh, something like, I think, 245 Canadian citizens were airlifted out by uh, our, our allies. And finally, we got in uh, two uh, Hercules aircraft in yesterday. They evacuated uh, 45 and 73. They weren't able to, these planes can, can take out 100 people at a time, but they, they weren't able to because the airport um, is very, very dangerous right. getting in there. And it's very, very dangerous for people uh, who want to leave to try to get to the spot where the planes are, are evacuating people, which is something like 30 miles from the capital. So, um, you know, we're finally there and we are going to be trying to evacuate more people. Um, but it's, uh, it is really, really dicey. I think there's something like 1,700 uh, Canadians who are in Sudan mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And, but not everybody wants to get out. For, uh, but a lot a, a more lot. than what left yesterday want to get out. Right? They want to get out, and but it's very difficult because now they're not only is they're fighting in the capital, but there are roving gangs yeah. who are robbing people and breaking yeah. into homes. So uh, I, and many people are just probably, uh, because they're afraid to try to get to the airport, are probably just hunkering down in their homes. No, which is difficult because they're trying to get out to get water and so on. Now, Melanie Jolie, uh, the foreign affairs minister, was asked about Canada's uh, saying, you know, what's going on? Why do we seem to be so slow on this? And she made no apologies. She said, I started hearing about it like everybody else uh, in Nagano at a G7 meeting a few weeks ago. We all got on it. We all started talking about it. But hello, like we're not imagining this. It seemed everybody else (laughs) got in there first. But I yeah, guess it's yeah, all I mean, a question they, of aircraft. Like, did, did we have what was needed or did we move fast enough? Or Well, obviously, we didn't move fast enough. They said, oh, well, they cited security risk, the armed forces, the need for landing clearance, the scarcity of available railways, 
and all of and on those as challenges but it certainly didn't stop our allies from getting in there you know i mean if the italians can get in there and the jordanians and people from holland and south korea they, and japan they all got in seemed to be no problem so uh, this just seems like another uh, classic case of canada being the last to step up to the plate when it comes to these kind of things well, it's funny. I was listening to this woman uh, on uh, CBC yesterday talking to my former colleague, Heather Hiscox. Uh, you know, she, she's a Sudanese Canadian. She said, look, I'm able to talk to people more on WhatsApp that, you know, I'm talking to them over there and telling them <laughs> what I'm hearing. And, and they haven't heard from the government. So, anyway, like obviously we want those people to get out of there so we'll see what happens next and, yeah. and not not an easy thing to organize for sure now chinese interference was certainly topical and it has been for weeks and yesterday uh on uh, on a house of commons committee one of the conservative mps was uh really putting it to marco mendicino the public safety minister saying you know what did you do about these chinese jails that that have been established here in canada uh, we believe to keep an eye on the Chinese diaspora. And um, so how do you think Marco Mendicino has handled all this situation with Chinese jails? Uh, you mean the uh, the Chinese police stations? Uh, that's yeah, what well, I meant, police stations. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, so look, um, the government has not handled this very well. Um, these Chinese police stations are in other countries, including the United States. Uh, what we did was to uh, have the RCMP put a couple of squad cars outside these eight police stations so that people would base as a way to basically close them down. Contrast that to the United States where last week the FBI arrested and charged people for having uh, uh, police stations in New York City. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's a couple of, uh, the real thing here it shows is that the Americans are much tougher and much more forceful in dealing with these kind of police stations to put a stop to them. We put a police car outside uh, with Sergeant Joe uh, and uh, the FBI goes in and arrests people and charges them. It might have been Sergeant Joanne. I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> OK, <laughs> but OK. So the, the thing is, though, Marco Mendicino said, look, we've, we, we have closed them down. But I guess Cooper wanted to know, have you kicked the diplomats out? Well, yes. And we haven't kicked any uh, Chinese diplomat out for this. Uh, but I will say the Americans haven't done it either. It's a little more difficult. I think the government's concern about uh, expelling Chinese diplomats is that it may make people feel good, but the, the Chinese are, are, will only retaliate and yeah. kick out Canadian uh, diplomats. Mm -hmm. So there's, it doesn't really serve uh, Canada's purpose. Far better to you know take some concrete action, which is to you know investigate and charge individuals for doing these kind of activities. And clearly, we have to do a lot more to deal with Chinese interference operations in this country. Uh, the minister was asked about when you're, when will you bring in a foreign uh, registry, uh, agent registry uh, law? And he says it's coming, but it's going to be a while. And, the, you know, they have been talking about this for two years. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. not as if they only took this off the shelf after this Chinese interference in uh, Canadian elections became such a big issue. But they've been promising this for two years and have done nothing. But there's more than that. I mean, they can do. They can also bring in a foreign agent registry, which would um, require people who are former mm -hmm. politicians or former uh, senior public servants who work uh, for China 
to be able to register so you know if they're flacking for them or acting in their interest. And, you know, you can make foreign interference a criminal code, uh, uh, bring it into the criminal code. So it's a, it's a criminal act if you do so. You can also, uh, you know, the, the, the government says it's going to do this. But again, this, they've been dragging their feet on this. The CSIS um, Act needs to be reformed. It, the last time was 1984. It needs to, uh, very much like the Broadcasting Act, it needs to be modernized to deal with the digital age. And CSIS needs to be able to share more of its court-ready evidence with the RCMP because right now it, it, it doesn't share this information. So if they find out something, uh, they are and tell the RCMP. The RCMP have to start from scratch, right? Uh, and that's not a good way of doing things. Uh, I guess, and and the difference is in the United States, the FBI is is does domestic is the domestic spy agency as well as the police agency. So it's easier for them to be able to gather. Yeah, intelligence. it kind of streamlines the process for sure. Right. Um. So. Uh, yeah, so lots to think about that there, and obviously um, the in, the rapporteur David Johnson. I mean, these are when he reports on May twenty third about whether there should be a public inquiry. Whatever happens, all those questions you're putting out there will have to be dealt with at some point. But there's another element that I think was interesting yesterday, and that was Justin Trudeau's brother Alexandra, mm-hmm. also known as Sasha. Uh, tied in with the Trudeau Foundation, which is also kind of caught up in this whole Chinese interference. Um, he accepted a check on behalf of the foundation from a Chinese businessman. Uh, the opposition wanted him to appear before a committee. They let him off. They said, no, that's not a good idea. We shouldn't be dragging people's families in. And now he's come out and said, look, I want to appear at the committee. What do you think of that? Well, I hope he does appear because uh, I know he wants to appear to be able to talk about all the good work that the Trudeau Foundation does, and it does do very good work in providing grants and scholarships to uh, PhD students. And uh, it's one of the most prestigious uh, uh, granting agencies around because it's up to, they can get funding for up to four, four years. Um, but, you know, he also has a role in bringing these, he, he negotiated and signed, or certainly signed the agreement uh, with these two Chinese businessmen to uh, provide money to $200,000 to the Trudeau Foundation and uh, 750000 to the University of Montreal, mm-hmm. including 50, 000, another $50,000 for a statue in, in honor of his father. So uh, there are a lot of questions about what he, wa- what he was doing with this. And we also learned um, from La Presse this week that uh, six months after the, uh, the the Liberals won power in 2015, the Trudeau Foundation had a briefing uh, in the Pri- Privy Council office with five deputy ministers. I mean, that's pretty unusual, uh, Julie, that uh, a foundation um, named after the, the this current prime minister's father would get this kind of a briefing. I mean, very few organizations that I know would, would get that. So there are well, a lot it's, of it's questions. It's not everyone that can get into up. the it's not everyone that can get into the Langevin building, right? There's a lot of hurdles. You don't just walk it off the street and say, I'm here for a meeting. You have to have clearance and so on. But the prime minister was not at that meeting. But still, I mean it's uh it's it's all kind of questions um you know about will you finish it. Well, look, I, I think he. I, I hope that he does appear. Yeah. I, I, there are MPs have a lot of questions about uh, this tainted money that ended up um, with the Trudeau Foundation because uh, you know there's a CSIS uh, a, a CSIS had uh, apparently um, 
taped uh, a conversation between one of the, the Chinese billionaires who provided the money, by the way, through a, a, a corporation, it now turns out, and a, and a, ch- a commercial attache, a, a, a Chinese consulate here, and saying, look, you, in 2014, look, you put up a million dollars because uh, we want to uh, use this as an influence operation for, for Justin Trudeau, and we'll give you the we'll make you whole. We'll give you the million dollars back. Right. right. So, I mean, there's so many questions, obviously, that have to be dealt with. And the bottom line is we're in a minority government. People want to know the next time they vote, you know, is everything on the up and up? So this all has to get cleared up pretty quickly. Let's just finish on the strike because it's day 10. Mm-hmm. No end in sight. Uh, the prime minister's in, in, in New York. Uh, he'll be speaking to the Council on Foreign Relations about critical min- minerals and in Canada and why you want to invest here. He's been getting a lot of flack for being away, but one way or another, uh, you know, they want him back here. He, he, he's not the one going to be sitting at the negotiating table. But as we head into the weekend, wh- where's all that going? Well, it's a good question. They, uh, they seem to be so far apart, particularly on on uh, working from home. But this yeah. is something the government does not want uh, to give up this management's right to make those kind of decisions. And the union is uh, hell-bent on being able to have uh, people work from home. And uh, I, I don't know if you've been down, downtown uh, yeah. for the last week or so, mm-hmm. but my goodness, it's back to normal. Well, the businesses are ecstatic. They've got, they've got customers. They've got customers <laughs> again. Because everyone's out picketing and, and buying a coffee. And, a and buying coffee, going for lunch. Uh, you know, it's back to normal times because downtown Ottawa was uh, almost like a almost like a ghost town. And, uh, and, and these poor businesses were, well, many of them have closed up, as you well know. Yeah. But the ones that are, uh, that are just getting by have been static. So they, they clearly do not want <laughs> to have bureaucrats working from home. They want them to be back downtown so that um, they can, uh, you know, they can survive and, and make a living. Uh, the one thing that was kind of funny about this yesterday, I don't know whether you watched the question period. But, yeah, uh, sure. The, the, Mr. Polly have got up and sang. Uh, because the prime minister was going to New York, he was saying, you "Yeah, know, that New was the York, day before yesterday. It's still, in, yesterday. it's yeah. still in my mind. Trust me." <laughs> yeah. But his, and he sang New prime, York, yeah. New York, exactly. Yeah, and the prime minister wasn't very happy because uh, Polly had asked him, "I hope you're not going to be staying at a six thousand dollar a night uh, uh, hotel room like you did in in, in London." Um, uh, last year so i'm sure there'll be uh, all sorts of access to information or whatever it takes to find out <laughs> exactly <laughs> right? yeah so anyway okay well let's see where it goes next week but um uh, certainly a lot of people didn't think they'd be on strike so long and i'm sure that back to work legislation is in somebody's back pocket but we'll see what happens right well you're right i mean how do, it can't go on for much longer and i'm you know if it's another week then they're going to have to think about back. Well, especially, especially just, you know, the whole, I mean, immigration, uh, you know, grain at ports, uh, uh, everything public servants do. But, you know, I think you're just going to see Canadians storming airport runways. Those who have money to travel, <laughs> you know, here's my passport. I don't care if it's renewed. Let me on the damn plane, you know, because everyone's been so pent up. But anyway, lots of stuff to look to, to see what happens next week. So, Bob, thanks so much. And have a great weekend. Thank you very much. Bye. That was Bob Fife, Parliamentary Bureau Chief, Globe and Mail. Now let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. 
In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne argues the world is growing tired of Canada's freeloading on defence. He writes, The only shocking thing about that bombshell Washington Post report that Justin Trudeau privately told NATO officials Canada would never meet the NATO target for defence spending of 2% of GDP is how entirely unshocking it was to anyone, least of all our NATO allies. The world has grown all too familiar with our habit of reneging on such commitments. It isn't only our NATO commitments in which we are deficient, and it isn't only the U.S. who is fed up with our chronic malingering. It's everyone. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin argues in the battle for Alberta, the frontrunner and her main opponent are the same person. He writes, with the Alberta election campaign just days from its official launch, the only suspense is whether Danielle Smith will continue talking herself out of power. She's presiding over a majority government besieged by raging streams of controversy, almost exclusively of her own doing. A clearly unimpressed Stephen Harper couldn't even bring himself to say her name or the United Conservative Party label in a recent dead-eyed endorsement, meekly urging supporters merely to vote Conservative. If there's one sure bet in this coin toss of a campaign for Danielle Smith, it's that victory or defeat is on the tip of her tongue. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister is in New York. He will deliver the keynote address at the Council on Foreign Relations and participate in a question and answer session. He will then hold a media availability and head back to Ottawa. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will be in Stockholm, Sweden, where she will attend a meeting of European Union economy and finance ministers and central bank governors. She will also hold bilateral meetings with international partners throughout the day. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will commemorate the National Day of Mourning for workers killed and provide remarks at a ceremony in Toronto. And Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne will be in Montreal to announce the recipients of the 2022 Canada First Research Excellence Fund. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, April 28th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.